That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It is the Liverpool-Manchester Derby weekend coming up this Sunday in a weekend devoid of many other big fixtures. Some other really interesting games. Manchester City are going to host Everton bright and early on Saturday morning. Tottenham will host Burnley and we're going to hit on Arsenal and Chelsea's trips down to the South Coast to take on Brighton and Southampton, respectively. I'm Alex, in here with Javier. Andrew is out tonight, though we'll hear from him a little bit later. Obviously, he had to make an appearance for the Liverpool-Manchester derby. Uh, Javier, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty busy. Busy Wednesdays for both of us. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to uh, Monday's pod. If you haven't listened to... uh, Andrew's interview with Brian Dunsif yet. We threw that on at the end of our weekend recaps. It was a really good 20 minutes or so. Uh, you can listen to that around the 33-minute mark in case you want to skip uh, Andrew, Javier, and I just uh, shooting the shit for the first 33 minutes. I, I won't be offended, I swear. Uh, yeah, you probably will a little bit. <laughs> I mean, just don't tell me. Just don't, yeah, don't let me know. Just don't let just, us know. Just do it without telling right. me, okay? Uh, so let's jump in right to the thick of it because we have – a good few games to get to and give our predictions for. Uh, The Manchester City-Everton game looks like the second most enticing matchup of the week. Uh, Obviously, Manchester City coming off of that 2-0 loss at Stamford Bridge and followed that up with a 2-1 win uh, against Hoffenheim. Was that the final? Yeah. I've called myself a couple times this week saying uh, uh, what I thought was the final scoreline and then going back and realizing later there were a couple goals that I missed at the the very end of games. So this one, I feel like we all uh, see a Manchester City win here. Everton did go to uh, the Etihad last season and got a 1-1 draw. Yeah, but that was kind of a fluke. I feel like... This this time, City City are going to make sure they don't drop points here because I'm guessing that... Pep was not happy after that result against Chelsea. And, I mean, he kind of rested some players in the midweek uh, against Hoffenheim. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, he's really looking at this game to get a, get them back on track. Especially get get a clean sheet because it seems like the, the defense has been a little bit leaky lately. So I have them winning 2-0. And, you know, despite their the injuries they have, they, they have so much squad depth that should they shouldn't have any problems in this game. Yeah, those notable injuries are, uh, of course, Benjamin Mendy's been missing for a while. Uh, David Silva was announced this week. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, Sergio Aguero is, is ex- expected to come back. And uh, as is Kevin De Bruyne, I think there's at least uh, rumblings that he may be back for well, this both game. Both of those players are back. They could win three or four now. Well, I mean, it depends. how For De Bruyne especially, it depends uh, how ready and fit he is coming back in that first game like I, i'm not saying i would i would be surprised if he came back and was the same old kevin de bruyne but you, you just never know with especially two long injury spells like that that he's had to start the season like i wouldn't hold it against hold it against him for uh just sort of working his way yeah, a, little sure bit more a little slowly rusty. back into form uh the other one that has been rumored was fernandinho though i've been looking around on the uh 
on, on the interweb the last few hours trying to figure out if that's for real or not. He obviously didn't start the Hoffenheim game, but him being injured, that actually throws off some alarms for me because that's a position that they do have Gundogan who can play there. I think maybe even Kevin De Bruyne could be uh, a nice little option there. We've seen him play deeper for Manchester City during large spells of last season. But Fernandinho's impact can't be understated. He's a hugely pivotal player for them and uh, and helping them build from the back with the likes of Stones and Laporte in that back line. So if he's missing, I, I, it's a... Uh, it's still a tough game. It's a tough game no matter what, but I, I, we all expect them to win. Andrew has a 3-0 win for Manchester City, and I have a 2-1 win. The first of the 10 a.m. games we're going to give our predictions for is Crystal Palace, Leicester City. Andrew has a 2-1 win for Leicester City. I've got a 1-1 draw. Javier, what do you have for this game? I think this is uh, Palace's bounce-back game. They haven't, been, they haven't been doing too well, and I think they're getting, getting near that bottom leaky. of the table. So I have a little bit of an upset here, and I have 1-0 Palace. Is it an ups- is it an upset at home? I, I I mean I think so just on form right. Leicester are pushing for Palace top on their six day are Palace are decent. Palace are in that bottom seven league. So I think it's it's kind of like two different levels of team in the league right now. I mean obviously on paper Palace have always had like decent talent, but I I just I see this being a close really close affair. But I don't see there being a lot of goals, and I think that Palace said it. I think they got it. They got to get a result here. I think. They've been uh, they've been not doing great recently, and and they need you know they've been losing games, you know close games, but uh, you know losing to West Ham and Brighton teams that are in that same echelon of you know that mini league kind of that you know six through thirteenth is right now. Right, they we were just, discussing they just before lost, we started recording. Right, they just that lost the Premier two League's games. Been split up into like three different mini leagues: right. the top six, the middle, the mid table, and then that bottom seven. Bottom seven, yeah, it it's, it's perfectly bottom poised for for the second half of the season. I don't remember a time that you know the there was so much competition for for actual you know spots in the league. But like I said, I think this is a really important game because if they can't win at home, those were two away games that they lost against Brighton and West Ham. I think they really got to get a result here to, to stop the, the slide. So that's why I think they'll be desperate enough to get one. Speaking of a couple desperate teams, Huddersfield are going to host Newcastle in a... I'm going to categorize this as a uh, relegation six-pointer. Newcastle have turned their season around from the terrible start they had. And Huddersfield, to a degree, have also gotten a couple of good results. But... These are two teams that I don't think a draw suits either of them. I think they're both going to be going for the win, absolutely. They just don't really have the quality for it to be an interesting game, uh, like a high-scoring game. I mean, it could be. It could be like a 2-2 just because, um, you know, Moy and Pritchard are both playing really well. Deportra is scoring goals at home. And, you know, Newcastle, uh, they seem to have found their goal-scoring touch a little bit too. Rondon Perez uh, finding the mark recently for them. So, hey, it it might be more fun than usual. So I have I've got one one and you know like Andrew's it's an got important one game. nil Newcastle a lot of faith in them I've got two one uh, Newcastle um, certainly leaving the door open to uh, Huddersfield having a, a great home performance though let's hit on Tottenham hosting Burnley real quick we all seem to be in agreement that uh, Tottenham fresh off of that one one draw with Barcelona at the Camp Nou where uh, they were trailing for much of the game and Lucas Mora tied it up with about five minutes to go, and uh, they equaled Inter's results at home against PSV and uh, went ahead on away goals uh, head-to-head with Inter. So uh, we all think, based off Burnley's 
recent form. They are they are fresh off a win against uh, Brighton at home last week. Uh, we all think that Tottenham are going to pretty much handle business in this one. Andrew's got 2-0. I've got 3-0 uh, Tottenham. And uh, Javier, you've got 3-1, it looks like. Yep, I think... Anything, uh, anything to add on this, or you just want yeah, to Yeah, no, I think, I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for Tottenham. I just think that Son probably continues his good form, and uh, I think it's interesting, the midfield, they, they started Winks Sissoko in the midweek. They looked pretty good together um, against Barcelona. I'm a Harry Winks guy. I feel like we've shat on Harry Winks a fair amount uh, on this podcast. Much more Sissoko, and I. But yeah, both of them. A little bit on both, just because they're Tottenham yeah. players. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, in like a serious note, I do think Harry Winks is a... I'm not going to say he's going to be a great player, but I think he's a good squad player for that role. Let's move to Cardiff, traveling to Watford this weekend, also at 10 a.m. Uh, Andrew has a 1-0 win for Watford. I have a 3-1 win for Watford. And I got 2-0. 2-0 Watford. I think we all are in agreement here. should be a fairly straightforward affair for them. Wolves will host Bournemouth Saturday at 10 a.m., the final of those 10 a.m. games. Andrew has a 2-1 win for Wolves. I have a 2-2 draw, which I, I think this is going to be the game you have to watch in that 10 a.m. slate. Yeah, this looks like a really uh, fun one to watch. I don't know if they're going to have, have it on TV, but... It's not on TV. It'll probably, I, I, I haven't seen that. I'm just guessing that they'll have Tottenham Burnley on. Okay. But yeah, I've got 1-1. One, one. I also think it's going to be a fun one. Both of these teams are pretty good form-wise. Wolves seem to have turned it around the last couple of games. So, yeah. It's 4-0 a home defeat for uh, Bournemouth against Liverpool last week. Can you still say they're on good form? Well, I think it, I think we can kind of chalk that Callum up Wilson's to not having their best player. Week. And just, you know, it being a, a, a team that's in, you know, title-winning form compared to a team in that, you know, that mini league of teams that, you know they're they're a good team. They're a solid side. They're just not going to be beating those top top five teams consistently. So if it's the top five now. I don't. We, it's not the top six anymore. Yeah, we can't refer to it as top six anymore. Right. Not until United close that gap because what is it? It's like six points between them and uh, or eight points I think it's between eight them points, and yeah. us there's, and Arsenal. They're, they're still miles off. Right. The final game on Saturday will be at 12.30 p.m. Fulham will host West Ham in a underrated London Derby, a London Derby I haven't seen for a while, but I'm looking forward to seeing again. I'm glad that they've got a relatively uh, primetime slot for this because on any other weekend it could be sort of pushed aside and ignored. Andrew has a 2-1 win for West Ham. I have a 3-1 win for West Ham, uh, who are obviously suffering from a lot of injuries. I have, yeah, because... Because of that, I've got uh, I got two two. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one, but I think Fulham they've been pretty decent at home, and this is the type of result that you know they've got to be pushing to get at home if they're going to be staying up this year. So uh, I think Ranieri does it, and I've got a uh, I got a two two. Let's jump to Sunday. Two games at eight thirty a.m. You guys can be the judge over uh, which one of those you uh, want to watch, but the first of those will be Brighton hosting Chelsea. Andrew has a 2-0 win for Chelsea. I have 3-1 Chelsea, and Javier, you agree with me with the 3-1. So before before I get to what I want to say about this Chelsea team, just like big picture, I, I, I personally don't want to talk about the match itself that much. I hate to disappoint you guys, but... Uh, I'm not honestly not too threatened by Brighton. Do, do you have anything, any input on the game that you want to throw Just out there that for Chelsea? Obviously Brighton, you know, they have been good at home, and I wouldn't be surprised if they give Chelsea a hard game. The AMX is a really, really good atmosphere. So, you know, and traditionally, I mean, we were talking before this before the pod, like 
most of the big six teams other than United, when they've gone to Brighton, they've destroyed them. But you got to think, you know, sooner rather than later, they might they might get a result against the big six team. But yeah, I agree with you that it might not be this time, but I think they'll still give you guys a hard game. But yeah, what 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 did you want to say about Chelsea, Alex? Well, we didn't really have time to get to it during the recap pod because it was so much to talk about going into that week. But I just wanted to address something that uh, mostly I've been discussing with my dad, who is obviously a longtime Chelsea fan. Went to his first game in 1967, I want to say, a 3-0 win uh, against Fulham that we had. Uh, He's obviously been a Chelsea fan ever since, where we beat Manchester City, and his first reaction when I spoke to him was, ah, typical Chelsea, lose to Wolves in midweek, beat the best team in the league on the weekend. That's just like, it's what I'm used to. And for myself, growing up in a very different generation of Chelsea fans, it's something that I just think is completely unacceptable. And I will never, I will never be okay with that kind of, uh, that kind of week, especially in December, where those games are going to come every week and midweek. And you need to be able to go out there and uh, perform. You can't be losing away to Wolves. If Chelsea had scrounged a draw there, I, I would have been not happy, but I would have been content. Just as long as you avoid losing during the month of December, you're doing a pretty good job. I want to point out the fact that this Chelsea team, over the last couple of years, we've seen there seems to be a pattern emerging over the last, I want to say, two years, uh, mainly last year, and we've started to see it rear its head a little bit uh, this season, even during the unbeaten streak, where Chelsea players week to week, uh, their, their performance level seems to rise and fall with the with the matchup. It, it comes into that what we discussed uh, during the preview for the Manchester City match, where or the preview for the Wolves match, where Chelsea are uh, pretty susceptible to uh, playing up or down to certain opponents. I think Sari has been brought in with his very frank, honest uh, approach to not only the media but the players themselves to sort of expel. That kind of those kinds of performances, where in the past we've have had managers such as Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho, two managers that are uh, very keen to use the media to motivate not only their players but also the board man, uh, management higher up at the club to get certain players. Maurizio Sarri, he's no nonsense. He tells it like it is. If you're playing badly, he'll let you know. I, I'm not. I've not been super happy with his rotation policy, which is not really much of a rotation policy uh, apart from uh, Europa League games which don't really matter much anyway but his overall approach when players uh, or when journalists ask him about certain players he's he's pretty frank about it a lot of people took the N'Golo Kante quotes that he had after the Tottenham game as like a negative and as him hitting out uh, and, and saying something uh, like vitriolic about N'Golo Kante and saying that he wasn't performing well but I can tell you if you watch the interview He's just saying he's not playing the way I want him to right now. He got too uh, in his own head trying to run around, trying to win the game himself against Tottenham. He needs to stay more on task, play closer to Jorginho at times, and be be smarter. And N'Golo Kante is not someone with a huge ego who would take that and uh, internalize it no, he was, and have it affect he was him negatively. phenomenal in the next game. He's, he's done the exact opposite, exactly. So, so I just think... No matter how this season ends up going, and I, I don't anticipate Chelsea finish out, finishing outside of the top four, but no matter how it ends, I think Chelsea are going to stick with Maurizio Sarri. Uh, he, he, he obviously came into the job 
saying, it's going to take time for this team to shift to my philosophy and to be playing at 100%. I don't, I don't he think definitely he definitely needs to buy the job. more players. And like, this is still well, like, he's not going to be the one, team. he's not going to be the one buying them. You know, you, you'll never hear from him in the media things like what Antonio Conte said. And please don't take that as me hating Antonio Conte. I, I love Antonio Conte. I would have rather have gotten rid of half the dressing room and kept Conte than had Conte been fired when he was. Uh, but, you know, the past is the past. Got to move forward. Yeah, Maurizio I mean, Sarri is obviously the man now. now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy you got a loser in there. <laughs> I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say we have a loser. We have a loser coach who's never won anything. Proven, he's never, he's won, a, never won a trophy yet. before. So, I mean... Uh, I'm pretty happy that he's at Chelsea. If, if if you guys finish outside of top four and he stays, that's great. I think that's only good for everyone else in the league. I think that'll keep Chelsea mediocre. So, hey, you know, to each their own. But I don't – I mean, I right now, what Sarri's done with this team is not – I don't think it's that impressive. I think, yes, he's changed, like, the identity of it and they're playing uh, a good style and you guys just had your most impressive performance of the season. But like you said, you just lost to Wolves and – you know, it's it's Jacqueline Hyde right now for Sorry's guys, and there's there's there seems to still be those 15, 20 minute spells in games where they just lose their minds and allow five or six chances. And yeah, it didn't happen in the city game, but I need to see that for you know a month straight of consistency before I before I think you know this Chelsea side is is really getting to a, like a title winning shape right now. You know. And I don't think right now you guys are set up to win any trophies this year. Maybe Europa, but... So the, the main point that Sari made in the uh, the post-game interview after the Manchester City game was that it's great beating the best team in the league and having a performance like that. But if we lose to, team like, lose to teams like Wolves and consistently have that Jekyll and Hyde uh, form, like you just mentioned, then he, he used this word too, then wins against Manchester City are useless or meaningless. They just doesn't mean anything if you're losing away to Wolves and drawing West Ham away and teams like that. So uh, we, we've seen other sides of Chelsea this season, uh, away at Southampton, which obviously isn't that impressive, and away at Burnley and away at Huddersfield, where we beat them 3-0 and dispatched them pretty easily. So I expect Chelsea to have a similar performance to that at Brighton. Uh, the defense isn't quite Yeah, you guys should be flying high after, a, that, a after that City win. So I... I they I kind of expect you guys to, to continue on from that. Keep building. We obviously have Videoton away in the Europa League on Thursday, but there's there's going to be hardly any uh, first-team players that play in that game, especially because we have the Europa League group wrapped up with five wins in our first five games. Yeah, that should be, that should be so, hudson Adoyan and Padu all day. And Morata. Yeah, I hope so. Morata should be I, leading I mean, that squad. I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Murata back in the lineup for the uh, Brighton away game. I, I don't want it to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised to I see it. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> that would be that would just that would be very bad from Sorry. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's a better coach than that. So let's jump to the Arsenal Southampton game. Arsenal traveling down to St Mary's to play one of the bottom teams in the league, who in their first game under Ralph Hustenhuttle. Lost 1-0 at Cardiff. I know it was his first game, but I was pretty surprised to see Southampton go and have such a toothless performance. I, I didn't watch it start to finish, so don't take my word at, uh, at that being that it was completely toothless. But you have to expect the new manager bump to come sometime soon. I just am not ready to say it's going to be this week, and I'm, I'm guessing you're not either, Javier. Oh, definitely not. I think that you know we, we might have some issues at the back. 
Um, with Koscielny may, may have to start this game. I think Mustafi's an injury doubt. Socrates has accumulated five yellows. And so, you know, our two main center backs are most likely going to be out. So I think you're going to probably see Stefan Licksteiner back there and Nacho Monreal. Nacho hasn't played too much recently. He came in off the bench um, last game when Mustafi was hurt. So, and he, he, you know, he looked pretty good. So I don't, I'm not too worried because Southampton are one of the least uh, offensive threat teams in the league. You know, they haven't been scoring too much this year. But at the same time, you know, we have struggled at Southampton before in seasons past. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit... They were much better then, to be fair. They were much better then, and we are a lot better than we have been in the last couple of years. So I think this is um, maybe similar to what... Um, I think these these away games so far this year... It, it, we haven't made it easy for ourselves, but we've been getting wins. And I trust that, you know, coming into this game, you know, our, our form is going to continue. And I don't, yeah, I don't see a dropping point. So I have, I have 3-0. I think maybe the clean sheet's a little ambitious. I think your 3-1 is maybe a little more realistic. But I think Aubameyang and Lacazette get on the score sheet. And yeah, those two are, are, are pretty unstoppable right now. And I think Lacazette has been past healthy, so... And it also looks like maybe Ozil's back, which he loves playing against teams like Southampton, right? That this, That's the type of game that Ozil comes in, he gets a goal and an assist, and suddenly all the Arsenal fans are, you know, Mesut Ozil, he's back. Well, preferably at home, but sure, yeah. on the road too. But, he should know. be able to control the tempo of the game. Uh, Andrew has a 2-0 win for Arsenal. Uh, you already said your result, right? You said 3-0. Yeah, uh, yeah I've, got, I've got the 3-1. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Southampton uh, jump out to a, a, a nice start like they did against uh, United a few weeks ago. Obviously, we, it's well documented that Arsenal haven't led at halftime of a match yet this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it be like 1-1 or something. Uh, and then Arsenal turn on the uh, turn it up into I have a feeling this gear. is the game we, we break that duck. I think, I don't know. I, just, I have a good feeling about this game for Arsenal. Well, you better do it sooner rather than later because... Uh, Winter is coming. It is. It is. This but is hey, November. Week. We went unbeaten in November. When was the last time yeah. that happened? Look, it's I been a long time. Cannot remember. It's been a long time <laughs> we've been unbeaten in November. So, twenty-one games unbeaten. It's just I don't think uh, I don't think Southampton are going to be uh, are going to be too much at, in this. I think that. No, I agree. It's uh, the worry is uh, drawing away at bad teams, not. Uh, not losing <laughs> right now, especially with Southampton. They don't have the threat. Yeah, but uh, we have Lucas Torreira, and, you know, when you have him in your team, any, no one can beat us. No one can beat us. Hey, since we haven't lost since the first two games of the season, so it's not ridiculous to say that right now. It, it is ridiculous, Javier. It's still only half a season. <laughs> not even half a season. Uh, but before this gets out of hand, let's move on to the final game of the weekend, the big one. Liverpool hosting Manchester United Sunday at 11 a.m. Where else would we start but with Andrew Pissarro? Let's kick it out to him for his thoughts. What's up, guys? It's Andrew. Just checking in here. I uh, got to work tonight, so I can't be on the full pod, unfortunately. But just wanted to check in for, obviously, one of the biggest rivalries. That's rivalry games that happens in England every year. That's Liverpool-Manchester United. This one's going to be at Anfield. Um, but honestly, this is an important game for the Reds. Obviously, they're on top of the Premier League, and I'm saying obviously too many times for some reason, so I don't know why the fuck I'm doing that. But anyways, big game, Sunday at 11 o'clock, must win. I'm honestly going to put the label on it. Jose Mourinho stifled Jurgen Klopp really, really well. Either he's come out the winner or he's gotten a nil-nil or a 1-1. Liverpool haven't beaten Manchester United 
in the Premier League in a long time. Um, I'm looking through a string of results here, and I've got... 2-1 United at United last year. That was the Rashford game. 0-0 at Anfield. 1-1 the year uh, January 2017. 0-0 October 2016. Uh, the last time it looks like Liverpool beat United was in the Europa League the year they went to the final, and that was Klopp's first season. And that was a 2-0 victory at Anfield, and then they got a 1-1 draw at Old Trafford. I have to say, though, of all the time to finally kind of break this streak of, of not beating their biggest rival... Yeah, I said it. Get over it, Everton fans. Is is right now. Um, unfortunately, it comes off some bad news in the midweek where Trent Alexander-Arnold picked up a knock, and on top of that, uh, Joel Matip has fractured his collarbone. Is going to be out for the next six weeks, and they were already without Joe Gomez, which means your center back pairing by default is Virgil Van Dyke and Dayan Lovren. I don't really hate that. I, I think they're equipped to handle a United team that has really struggled to create a lot of chances offensively. And I think that Mourinho is going to park the bus, probably play the same midfield three. You're talking Andrew Herrera, who does well against us. Um, You're talking about probably Mata in the midfield, and you're talking about um, Nemanja Matic as well. I don't think Paul Pogba is going to feature in this game again. Maybe you get a Marijuana Fellaini start, and you see see Mata in in the front three. But the biggest question is, will Liverpool be able to create the chances against a team that's going to sit in the low block? We've talked about this all year. This is something that Brian Dunseth talked about when he was on the pod earlier this week, which if you haven't listened to, pause this right now. Go listen to that episode. But I think they can do it. You're not seeing a David De Gea who's coming in in great form. You're seeing a United team that was exposable against Arsenal. But the biggest thing for Liverpool is they have to capitalize on their chances. They beat Napoli yesterday in the Champions League 1-0. They easily could have won that game by four. And that's my biggest fear about this game is this is not a game where we can waste chances. This is a game that you need to fully grab the game by the balls and win. And that means we're going to be leaning on a couple guys. And importantly, it's going to be Mo Salah. Salah scores the 1-0 goal against Napoli. He scored a hat-trick over the weekend. He's looking like he's in the best form that he's been in all season. He has to score in this game. He has to get that first goal. Anfield needs to be loud. I want it to be as loud, if not louder, than it was yesterday against Napoli. This is the biggest game of the season so far after Manchester City. Just because they haven't beaten United, they're finally in first place. I don't think you're going to see the same midfield that you saw in the in the Champions League. I think you may see Naby Keita, Shakiri, and Fabinho back out there. You may see... Wijnaldum in the midfield, and you may see Shakiri replace Mane, who had a ton of chances missed, and Shakiri obviously uh, contributing a lot to the offense right now. I, I'm definitely worried about this game. This game always makes me nervous. Honestly, this is the two United fixtures are my least favorite Liverpool games every year, and whenever it's a Jose Mourinho United game, I hate it even more because you know he's going to sit back, you know that they're going to try to counterattack, and that's it at the but hopefully Allison can continue to bail us out if those chances really get to him. I'm going to say 2-0 for Liverpool. Um, I think it's going to be nervy. I think you're talking about a 0-0 at halftime, and I think uh, probably a goal around the fifth, between the 50th and 60th minute, and then something late or in like the 82nd or something like that to, to kind of get all, all three points. But this is, this is not going to be a cakewalk. This is going to be 90 minutes of war. And uh, honestly, if you're not watching it on Sunday... What what are you doing? But uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Um, follow me on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro. Follow the rest of us on Twitter and Instagram at asmos ninety two at Ghost Gold Pod and at Javier Rev nine. Like and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. Help us out. And back to the boys.
All right, thanks, Andrew. Uh, he, again, has a 2-0 win for Liverpool at home. I'm going to start off right off the bat and just say ah, there's no way there's Alex more than God. two You flipped goals. your result. You had a yeah. nil-nil, and I see you've now put your faith back in Liverpool after you heard Andrew's argument there. Did Andrew, uh, Andrew talk that, some... It's uh, not that I put my faith in Liverpool. It's that I've realized I can't put any faith in United right, right now. It's, it's I'll put hard. faith in Mourinho to make this a absolutely drab, terrible game to watch because... He's going to uh, start like McTominay, Matic, Fellaini in midfield and just be like, beat the shit out of them. That's what he did against us. And like, I sh- and like yeah, Herrera Liverpool too. are far more equipped to deal with that this season. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's true. Is all I'll say. They like, are. But they, they do have a little bit of, they have a few injury woes. And I think that they exerted a but lot. How much do they miss? How much do they miss if their back, if their back line is uh, Klein or Milner at right back, if Alexander Arnold's injured? Lovren and uh, and Van Dyke as the two center backs, and then uh, Robertson in his usual position. I don't think they missed that much. It's maybe in midfield where the the questions start to come up after that Napoli game, like oh, who's going to get rested? Andrew mentioned, Fabinho yeah, I just think that they Keita exerted a lot. Start. There might be a little bit of a hangover uh, midweek, and United rested their players, which is ridiculous. Like he started Pogba and Fred, I think, thinking that he's resting his main players for the weekend. <laughs> Which is kind of ridiculous, considering Fellaini, those two uh, together cost a hundred and thirty million. So it's it's pretty <laughs> funny that he's you know those are his uh, backup players to, uh, to play off the bench. You know. Oh God. Yeah. God, that's so it's, awful. I mean, that's just awful, man. Come on, like his 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 two most expensive midfield players are his backups that he's you know throwing out there against the Wolves and Valencia. But yeah, I mean, I've got a one-one result here. I think that. Mourinho is made for these types of games, and if they lose here, I mean, they've got zero chance of top four. I think if they get a draw or a win here, then you could see them still as outside shot. But um, right now, uh, as is, and I mean, they they got through to the knockout stage of the Champions League, which is you know that's pretty good for Manchester United. That's 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 a positive for Mourinho to 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 point at. But I think if you can get a result here at Anfield, then you know they might be able to get a little momentum going into Christmas. But if they just lose 2-0, like Andrew says, then it, things are going to be looking very, very dire for Mourinho. And you know, our, we, we may be putting our hat on if, if, if 2 or 3-0 Liverpool happens and, and thinking that maybe Mourinho's in a little trouble. Who knows? As Andrew mentioned uh, during his little segment there, uh, the last time Liverpool beat Manchester United was during the Europa League, that first season under uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, United were a very different side then. The last time Liverpool beat United in the league was March 2014, when uh, Suarez was having his amazing season and Liverpool almost won the title. Uh, before good old Slippy G slipped up and uh, threw it away for them. So it's been a while since Liverpool have uh, had a positive result against United in the league. Obviously. I thought it was Slippy T. Slippy JT. Uh, oh, that was, uh, oh, that was sorry. 10 I, years oh, ago. Slippy G? Oh, I, th- ago. I thought it was Slippy JT. I, Slippy I, G I, took the mantle from JT. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, maybe it's Slippy JT in the Champions League. It is. Uh, it is Slippy JT. Slippy G I, 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 in the I Premier League. The, the most famous slipper ever is definitely JT. Like, Slippy, no, I think it's Slippy it's, I think JT. It's, here's where I'll throw that off very quickly. I'm defending uh, JT, here JT went on to win the Champions League. Steven Gerrard never wow. won the Premier League. <laughs> he, I was going to say he did win the Champions League, but... Yeah. No, no Steve, he never Steve, went on to win the, won Premier the Premier League. League. But... Yeah, that is kind of lame. That is kind of lame. That's always going to be a blemish on him. 
Also, the last two seasons, the home game at Anfield has ended nil-nil. That's why I had nil-nil Somehow I don't think nil-nil is going to happen, but I think... I mean, I had that initially, and I only switched because Liverpool have just made a habit of, even in the games where they're not finishing their chances, like the Napoli game on Wednesday, they... Boy, some of those chances were harder to miss than they were to score, and they still, uh, Mane especially, missed a couple of sitters. Uh, they, was, they can't have that continue Mane in, this in these game. last two weeks has been, he's been just off, off it. I mean, he's had so many chances in the last, like, th- three games, in the last two Premier League games, and then in this midweek Champions League game, where he's been one-on-one and just fired it over the bar or hit it straight at the keeper. And I, I had him in my fantasy team for a long time, and he was playing really well at the beginning of the season, but... It seems like he kind of does this every year where he goes on streaks of good form and then he just doesn't score or play well for like a long period of time. I think that's what's going to keep him from ever being like a 20 to 25, you know, goal scorer. I think he's always going to be in that like 15, 16, 17 range. I don't think he's ever going to break 20 in the league. So just just because of these runs that he goes on where he stops scoring goals. And, and it's not that he's bad because he's still like he's still a dangerous right, I was, player. I was going to follow like, up with that. He's threatening at all times. No, no, times. he's still, he's still very – like he's still a good player on the pitch. It's like it, – it, it's why I'm – it's so weird with him. It, there's there's times where he looks like the best player on the pitch, but then there's other times where just like it's, – it's almost always when it's the final product. But then they're like – there was that Arsenal game last season where he scored like – two like really nice goals like with his one with his left and one with his right foot and just like I remember being like wow like I didn't realize like Mane could do that like he had such good finishing but then you see him in that Champions League game or at the weekend and and you know he was missing chances left and right so it's I mean it's obviously a form thing and maybe now that you know it was earlier in the season it was Salah who was missing chances and now it's Mane's and you know maybe they're sw- they're just switching off and it, obviously it's it's a form thing and I'm sure Mane could be could be banging in the goal soon but it's. I think that's what's what's worrying for me is that, you know, right now it seems like only Salah. That's that's the only outlet where they're going to get a goal right now. So that's why I don't have Liverpool getting a bunch of goals this weekend. Do you give much credence to Andrew's theory that Mane may miss out this weekend? You may see him rotated for someone like Shakiri, who looks to supply Salah a little bit more than Mane may. Maybe, but Shakiri. Um, He's also the type of player that can't play like three games in a week. I don't think he's, he's just never really did that. He was, I think, he didn't start against uh, Napoli. Oh, he didn't start then. Maybe, yeah, I could see Shakiri uh, Mane maybe coming coming in off the bench. That would be a good option. I I kind of like how Unai Emery does that. I really like that. It, it's it's odd be, to say that because we haven't been winning at halftime in any games this year. But it is kind of nice that to have a like a really strong option off the bench that you can bring on when defenders are tired and like. Just go at the defenders for 30 minutes. So maybe someone like Mane going at the United back line, who have been slipping up a lot this season, that could be that what pushes them over the line. So I wouldn't be surprised. That would be a really good move from Klopp if he does it. It'd be an interesting move for sure. Uh, before we sign off, I want to play off of something Andrew mentioned uh, during his segment, saying that if there's any time for Liverpool to break this duck against United and get a win, it's, it's right now. I want to compare it to last season, and we've talked about this uh, maybe a little bit before with Manchester City's uh, run to the Premier League. Going into that Chelsea away game uh, around no- uh, mid-November, maybe early December, uh, they were on a run of winning games. I think they broke the record for wins in a row uh, on that same run. They had the game at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea weren't out of the title race yet. They were still in like the top two or three conversation and hadn't imploded yet. 
at Manchester City, went to Stamford Bridge, beat Chelsea, a team that had beaten them twice the year before. We usually had their number and uh, played them pretty well. And they got they got over the hump and they beat uh, they they only beat us one nil, but it was a result that me- meant more than any of the other destructions they had of other teams at that point of the season. If Liverpool are to get get over the hump too and w- and win the league, I think I think winning this game is not quite a, a must win like Andrew said, but it's very close. It's very very close. Okay, but must win to me insinuates that if they don't win, that like Klopp needs to be fired or something like no, that. No, like no, that, no, nothing not like that. I just mean if they want to be taken seriously, like okay, they're going to win the league this year, then they got to be winning a game like this. Because yeah, this especially is, with this United is, this on is, their yeah, form. United are in that mini league of teams that are fighting for that sixth place Europa spot. They're, I mean, they're they're not like in the top four conversation at all right now. But if they got a result in this game, then you could say maybe they're back in it. You know, just outside. So. I think uh, I think this is a huge game for both teams. All right, that wraps it up for us here on the Ghost Goal Podcast. Thanks again to Andrew uh, for sending in his segment on the Liverpool-Manchester United game. Uh, thanks, Javier, for being with us tonight. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us all at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, and at Ghost Goal Pod on Twitter. And then Javier's Instagram is at JavierRev9. Uh, all of our handles are the same on Instagram. Go drop us a rating and review the pod on on iTunes. We always appreciate those too. Yeah, throw a share at us. Uh, if you if you rate and review, it uh, helps our visibility when people search for a Premier League soccer podcast. So please go do that. We want to gather as many new followers as possible. Enjoy the games this week. And until next time, 